installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, flying solo today. Um, today's podcast a little bit different. It's a little bit more hypothetical. I wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, personal air mobility and some considerations um, kind of from the insurance and, and, and uh risk side of things. I mean, I have my own, say, preconceived notions of the flying cars, boats, motorcycles, uh, flying platforms, and the rest that you've probably seen in, in videos out there. So what I figured is I would I'd bring in our, our celebrity insurance guy, Mr. Terry Miller from Transport Risk. How's it going, Terry? Hey, doing, doing great, Patrick. I always appreciate being on here. Uh, I look forward to uh, this is an interesting subject, something that we've been looking forward to, and you know we'll continue to look forward to. It's, I, I think that'll be one of the biggest changes in the industry. Yeah, well, and you know, Farnborough is currently going on, and we're seeing a bunch of uh, announcements and people showcasing what they have, and you know, Austin Martin has, has got into this, and uh, you know, Porsche supposedly has a, has a design, and and it's exciting, and you know. Elevate to be building buildings, and you know, they've got numbers that I think they've been working on with Tom Shaw on how many people they're going to get in out and flying in every uh, every hour at these facilities. Uh, and we'll, you know, we're going to kind of get into that, but you know, in the early days, um, people used to say about commercial drones that you'll ne- you will never have a commercial drone market until you have third-party liability insurance. Got to have liability insurance. Because with any technology, you're going to have rules, and, and the lawyers get involved, and you know somebody's got to be there with deep pockets to make the payout on all this disruption. So I figured it would be kind of interesting to talk about that. So before we dive into the... Uh, you know, let's say the disruption. Terry, would you be kind enough to, uh, even though you've been on several times, you know, we have new listeners and, you know, popularity from China's picked up and whatnot. Could you please give us a brief bio and how you got involved with on-demand air mobility? Sure. Um, the I'm a graduate of Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University with a degree in aviation safety Aviation Business Administration and uh, Accident Investigation as as a minor, and uh, so so after graduating from Embry Riddle, I, I worked in the air charter business. I was an air charter coordinator and and uh, air charter sales for for in uh, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona, Deer Valley, for a charter company. So I was pretty heavily involved in the air charter industry, and from there. Moved into uh, moved into aviation insurance as an as a as an underwriter, uh, and then eventually into the side that I'm on now as uh, as a uh, as a broker. And so, as a, as an aviation insurance broker, we work with every insurance company that's involved in the aviation insurance business, and all classes of business. So, part of that is air charter, air taxi. And so today we we do that is the bulk of our business is manned aircraft, air, commercial air charter and air taxi, but we're also a very uh, you know we, we we're very heavily involved in in uh, aerial film production, 
uh, and we, we ensure a lot of aerial film production. And a few years ago, the aerial film production industry got into using drones, which we thought was a great idea because uh, you know, we do insure helicopters, a lot of helicopters, and, and those that are used for aerial film production as well. But, uh, you know, a drone sounded like a good idea when you're filming in close proximity to crowds of people or over heavily populated areas or tight spots like city streets in New York. And so we wanted to find a way to promote that. And we, we put together some policy forms and, and policy language and, and underwriting guidelines in partnership with some of our insurance carriers and began insuring drones. Uh, primarily at the beginning was, was aerial film production, uh, and then expanded from there into different uses, including manufacturers and, and drone operators themselves. Uh, part of that was, you know, we do insure some, some uh, pilot-optional drones right now that do carry people. I believe that we are the, one of the first ones to at least insure it on a primary basis, and that was uh, with the good folks up at, uh, up at Scion, uh, Scion UAS with their uh, with their Jackal as a project that they built for the Naval Research Lab, and that that is a pilot optional, uh, and, and it is a certified certificated aircraft. Uh, and then we we insure a couple of fixed wing uh, passenger carrying uh, pilot optional aircraft today that I can't really discuss who's operating them, but. So it's something that we've been in from the beginning, you know, from, from small unmanned, you know, multi-rotors and fixed wing all the way up to now passenger-carrying aircraft. And that's clearly that's going to be a big part of the future of this business. So, yeah, I mean, and that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, having you on and, and we converse uh, about these topics is, is you're, you're, you're not, let's say, um, you're you're in a new technology. You're not afraid of this disruption, and as you just kind of laid out, you guys are already in the market space. So there is already insurance that's available for these optionally piloted aircraft. Absolutely, and we're we're insuring them, uh, and and it's and it's been everything that we've been involved with, involved with in insuring have been, you know, full coverage, which is all all risks of ground and flight, uh, and it includes bodily injury to occupants of the aircraft, and and we're talking substantial limits both from a liability standpoint and from the uh, hull physical damage standpoint. So it's a uh, it's full coverage, and and we're you know we jumped into it. You know, up up to our eyeballs, so in, in a manner of speaking. Now it's kind of interesting because there is a funny story that goes with that. When we first got involved in unmanned, our underwriters were you know were edgy, and mm-hmm. and then it became you know well we really don't want to get involved with that right now. We're not completely comfortable with it, you know, completely unmanned. You know, we'll we'll be good with it as long as it you know somebody's in it. And then about eight months later, we said, okay, there's the, the persons, you know, we're ready to, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're ready to go. And they're like, well, we'd be a lot more comfortable if nobody was in it. And so it, it really, it really has been a transition. At first we, 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 you couldn't write them unless there was, you know, a human inside. And then, then it turned to, you couldn't write it, um, if there was one inside. So we've kind of, we've come full circle and we can do it either way now. And we do it. It's been successful. We've been really happy with the results. 
Um, I'll be clear: the aircraft that we've uh, that we have insured right now that that are path that can carry passengers, uh, you know, optionally optionally piloted, um, are certificated aircraft and built by companies that build aircraft. Uh, Scion is first a helicopter company, and they're an actual helicopter factory. And so the one that they built has an end number, had an end number. It says airworthiness certificate. It's not standard. It's experimental, but it does. It is there. So that 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 airworthiness and airworthiness, some type of certification, was very important to us. And the aircraft that we're doing today do do have that type of certification. Well, and then and so that's going to lead me to my like next question here is you Figured know most of this most of this well you know that's how this uh, <clears throat> thing works. Um, you know, most of these are kind of hypothetical besides the regular service in Dubai. You know, they have the uh, – mm-hmm. that should have launched by now. Um, I haven't flown on it personally, and I don't know what's going on with it exactly, although they said it was going to happen. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, renderings, some excellent sizzle reels. Um, are there any uh, out there that really stand out to you? Any Anything you, uh, you it appeals to you as far as design is concerned? You know, I want to be really, really clear here. I'm, uh, I'm not an engineer. And, I, you know, what, what's going to work and what may, may or may not work, I know that we pay a lot, we, our insurance carriers pay a lot of claims on crash drones today. We've got, we've got salvage laying all over the place uh, and so we're we are familiar familiar with that yeah we we know they crash we know they crash a lot and so uh what 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 works and what doesn't work that that i'm going to leave to engineers but the ones that you know the very first one that really intrigued me you know because because keep in mind that you know back to back to the early golden age of helicopters i mean you want to make a helicopter pilot nervous run around behind the helicopter out of their sight uh you know the, anywhere near a tail rotor any there's a lot of moving parts and we already have problems one large claim uh on an airport ramp uh, a couple of years ago, a model, uh, a female model, was flying in a in an airplane. She got out and ran through the propeller and cut her arm off, caused a lot of damage. So people who are not familiar, human beings who are not familiar with that environment, rotors, propellers, you know, they're invisible. They don't think about it, and they don't see them, and going straight to them. So anytime you're operating... You know, that type of equipment around people who are unfamiliar with the equipment, that's a big risk in my opinion. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the, I, I, you know, I'm a big safety guy mm-hmm. and I like designs that, that, that look, looks, you know, like a lot of thought has been put into safety before carrying capacity or and things like that and that doesn't mean that they can fly keep in mind i'm not an engineer i'm just so the very first one that caught my attention back in the day was the augusta westland project zero that's mm. a uh that's a ducted fan and you know it's a, and it's and so it's a kind of ducted fan fixed wing kind of a hybrid so it gives you a lot of benefit plus it has adjustable blade speeds and counter rotating it's all electric and that's an air. That's a company that builds aircraft. They know how to build an aircraft. They they build a tilt rotor. They build helicopters. So that one caught my attention because you know most of the moving parts are at least 
pretty enclosed on a ducted fan. And then, of course, the the Airbus, the, the latest Airbus, looks really intriguing. And it looks like they've solved a lot of problems. And you know they've got prop guards. The, the 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 props are high. They're they're above the the passenger compartment. They look detachable, as that does. So at least you're moving it out of the way from people. You know, their natural path to try to get into and out of the aircraft. They they don't have to walk through the blades to get to it. On well, um, either yeah. of those. So. So those get my attention, plus those are both aircraft manufacturers who know how to build aircraft, they know something about airworthiness, and they know how to bring them to market. Right, and that's that's kind of my first thing. I mean, you know, I'd say the same thing. I mean, physics, you know, you can't get past the law of physics unless you have an office in Berkeley, California. But <laughs> beyond that, anything that has the passengers egressing through the props, <laughs> I just, uh, I, you know, Nutri Ninja, you know. There's, you know, even even in the manned world, you know, there have been, you know, aircraft like that 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 it's it's a consideration that has to be made, and we're very concerned with air charter again because because passengers are unfamiliar. An airport ramp, anytime aircraft are moving around. Is, un, is an unfamiliar environment to most people. And running through propellers, getting egressing, you know, boarding, anytime you're going through or near those moving parts, you know, the, the, the Piper Aerostar had propellers right outside of, you know, right outside the, 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 the captain's door, the pilot's door, the left-hand seat. And, and there were also problems where they had to, you know, put uh, put put essentially armor on the on the fuselage because the propeller was right there, and you know, ice and things like that coming off the propeller could could uh, you know injure the passengers right Make right next to day. And and then other airplanes, you know, anytime you're dealing with piston engines or propellers, uh, you know, there's a reason at Burbank when you board a Southwest aircraft at the rear that they have yellow lines and people out there telling you to. You know, stay within those lines, and they don't run the engine when you're boarding the back of the airplane. So close your hat right it, It's it's very important. People are pretty used to getting in and out of cars. They know the dangers. They know what to look for. But aircraft that's going to be whether you know, aside from you know, there's just a lot of things in the environment. And then if you're depending upon how they fly, you know, fixed wing if they're multi rotor. You know, just the environment, tight spaces, agility, maneuverability. Uh, you know, it's not it's just just generally speaking, it's not good to have people moving in and out through the through the danger zone by design, in my opinion. Right, right. Well, and and that goes to my comment earlier where I was talking about uh, you know that Uber might have employed the help of Tommy Chong on the estimated numbers. I mean, if you're if you're trying to if you have one of these facilities. And you're trying to move, you know, a thousand to forty-five hundred people an hour through there, man. You've uh, you've really you're gonna have to have like Disneyland efficiency for moving people around. But you know, whatever. I mean, maybe they got a plan. I have a pretty good white paper. I haven't seen it. But as we are talking about that, <clears throat> just as a side note, the flying hover bikes and boats. You know, I see these guys on these hover bikes with the helmet. And I'm like, you know, this is superfluous at this point. The helmet is just, you know, something goes wrong and you go through the process, you know. 
that could be a, you know a bad day. Focus is very important when you're <laughs> when you're operating any type of vehicle, and when you have when when you have when you have that much going on around you and you're in that close of proximity, I I'll, I I spend a lot of time on motorcycles, but I prefer to sit back and let somebody else test these designs. Well, yeah. Somebody else. Asked so, me, they're like, well, what do you, any, you know? again, anytime. I mean, even you know, even even the airboats, you know, down and down and anytime you, it's it's a motor and it's a it's a moving and it's a propeller. It's a lot of things can go wrong when things go wrong. Yeah, you know, everything's great when everything goes right. Just in 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 any activity, it's when they go wrong that. <laughs> that 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 the contingency has to be there and you can't you can't have a plan A and 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 no B so you know and, and plan B is that nothing can ever go wrong because it's going to and by design you're you're you know that the uh, the human beings near it it's it's a uh, you know, I mean, let's face it. Going back to, in the golden days of aviation, watching some of those propeller or some of those helicopter tests, uh, Igor Sikorsky. I mean, I, you know, who would want to be near that? I would. But now it's uh, now it's commonplace. You know, they figured it out, and there's a reason they look like they do. So right, yes, trial and error, and uh, right. yeah, he. Uh, you know that was the funny thing too when they when they invented the the helicopter. You know nobody knew how to fly one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like hey, look at earn while you learn. But uh, yeah, now people have asked me too with the, the flyer mobility personal thing. You know they're like, what do you think? You know, uh, would you ride that? And I always say no, but I have a long list of folks that I'd buy tickets for. You know, I'm not getting anything that's not certified. That's me. I'm I'm kooky that way, but um, so you know we're we're going through this here, and I don't know. There's a certain company, and they have a pretty nice page. They're looking for partners. Um, they have a, a video on there, and I looked at the video, and you know they're they've got a scenario, hypothetical scenario where you're flying from downtown San Francisco to downtown San Jose, and they have some uh, comparisons that you could ride the train, Cal train. Um, and take some other modes of, modes of transportation. And, and this is it's kind of as the crow flies from San Francisco to San Jose and uh, kind of goes up in the air there, and it's about a 15-minute trip. Um, but the flying the ointment that I see is it's flying through the airspace of SFO, which is uh, Class Bravo airspace. And then you have NASA Ames, and you have San Jose, and there's, there's Oakland's over there and all the rest of it. So highly congested airspace, and the estimate for the trip is only $129. And, that, you know, that's when it starts. As things progress long-term, it's going to probably get down to about 20 bucks a flight. Do you think that's realistic, or uh, any of that's realistic, or? I know it's kind of a big um, Well, <laughs> I was just trying to fire up my crystal ball, and it's still broken. Oh, and if if it was working, I probably would be riding a motorcycle right now instead of talking to you. But the, that's beside the point. I I think that you know that there's an existing that you know there, there's an existing system 
there's an existing industry that's been developed that operates with unprecedented safety today, the aviation industry. So it's, 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 not, it's something that's been invented. It's been operating and it's been working. And it's not, and, and it has continually innovated and modernized and improved. And, you know, so it hasn't remained static and stagnant since, you know, the 70s. It's not an industry, you know, it's, it's constantly become more efficient. It's become safer. It's become, uh, it's become cheaper. It's become more cost effective. And, and that system is operating. So going through, you know, Class B airspace, going through multiple, multiple different types of airspace, you know, it's, it's something that, that it's, it's, you know, accommodations are going to have to be made. I don't think that it's – I certainly don't think it's impossible, but I don't think that – and this is just me. I'm not an expert yeah, on this, yeah, but, know. you know, it's developing a whole new system to run parallel – is going to be difficult, and that system, because it's already in operation with thousands, millions, when you're talking SFO, hundreds, thousands of aircraft with millions of people coming in and out all the time, and 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 you've got helicopters in that airspace, and you've got flight schools in that airspace. I insure a flight school in that airspace. And so you have a lot of activity going on, aside from just airliners landing and taking off. And and so it's going to have to fit. You know, the system's going to have to work. How real? You know, and 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 it's you know when you're working in close proximity to, you know, people, people's homes, automobiles, trains, other aircraft. You know, some type of airworthiness certification, reliability, and and integration. I I I I mean that's I don't think it's a stretch to understand that that's going to have to exist and yeah. I'm not sure where that's going. I know that flight service today offers uh UAS flight planning. There are apps in place to to do that and and then you're immediately within the system. ATC can see you. Uh and whether it's that system or whether it's another one that runs parallel, but somehow you're going to, you know, it's just going to, I think it's realistic. I just don't know, you know, I just, I just don't know the mechanics of it, I guess. So well, uh, everything I'm saying is hypothetical because I think that this part of the industry today is hypothetical. And I think right. everybody's looking for a solution. And most of those people are a lot smarter than I am that I can well, guarantee you. And if they figure it out, then I'm going to be here to support them, and our industry is going to be here to support them to ensure it and, you know, make it viable. Well, and and, and you know, I, I agree with a lot of that. I, I think that you know a system already exists. This, this is the thing. When you pair it all up with the price of that trip being $129, or eventually being $40 or $20 or whatever. Um, the volume that would be needed because from what I see, the certification for such an aircraft to fly through those types of airspace with that kind of traffic, um, I think it's going to be, and this is kind of one of the things I keep talking about. I mean, I think it'll be years and years and years before a system is certified to be able to make that trip and, and how much it's going to cost is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more than 129 dollars a trip i i know that 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 there have been a number of you know uh, if we just compare it to some innovations that 
You know, innovation, usually the first big idea that you see isn't the successful one. It's the ones that, you know, but, 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 the, but the success is bred from, from, that, from that initial design and risk taker. And I'm going to say the, the VLJ, the very light jet, for example, um, you know, was going to be owner flown. And, you know, and it was really Eclipse and Gene Rayburn and, you know, one, a former Microsoft guy and, you know, an aviation guy and a pilot. And, you know, he got involved and it was a brilliant idea. Uh, but but the cost, you know, what we estimated, what the cost was estimated at the beginning versus what it ended up being once it had to go through certification, once the engines and components had to go through certification, then once once it's flying, you have to maintain that, and there are. You know there are time limited components, and you know the the cost of operation you know basically you know doubled or or tripled and at right. that point it became it was no longer viable but the manufacturers who were in the business of doing that Cessna you know that's where we we got the Cessna Mustang, an excellent aircraft, and a number of other aircraft you know off of a brilliant idea, somebody who saw a need and uh, you know, and it was the the idea was born. Development started, but it it couldn't meet. It couldn't like they, they couldn't meet the promise. The aircraft right. itself couldn't meet the promise, and a lot of that had to do with it taking you know ten times as long because it had to go through certification, and engines and components and 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 types of construction and materials were not that they anticipated would work didn't work. You know, so it, it, you know, so it was the second or third or fourth generation that did work, and and again, my crystal ball is broken, but I think that, you know, we're seeing some brilliant ideas and some brilliant minds at work here, and I think it's going to come together. I just don't, I'm just not sure that a lot of what we're seeing today is realistic, and I'm only basing that on past experience. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we've advanced beyond that, and. And it and it is real. I don't know the answer to that, but based on past experience, I I you know, I tend to agree. It's a lot further out than 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 a lot of the sizzle tapes and videos are are making it out to be. I think. Well, I mean, there's the same thing that you could do, like even with the drone thing and beyond visual line of sight and whatever else. I mean, these guys go for. You know, they, it's not just like you know, every oh, I'm taking a bite of the elephant. You know, you're trying to eat the whole herd. You know, uh, well, that's why we started. I'm going to be honest with you. That's why we started ensuring what we are today, or we did six years ago. Now, we started with Phantom Ones, and that was the only off-the-shelf drone in the world at that time. Everything else, you had to buy the components, you had to build it, and and that was the only way to get to get into drones. And so we've learned. And so we, we understand too, that you can't sit back and wait for, 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 you know, for the flying bus to come out, the unmanned, you know, flying bus. We have to learn what we're dealing with here on the small scale and then grow with the industry. And that's what, that's what we're doing. You know, we have, the future is this, the future is air taxi and, and air cargo and things like that. And so, you know, we jumped on board at the beginning uh, because we need that experience. We need to see and learn what we're dealing with today. We need to support the industry, help it grow, be part of that, be a partner, and uh, and and then remain there, you know, in the future. That's 
you know, that's that's what we're all looking for. And, you know, we anticipate being there and we, we intend to be there. Well, and, and I think that's probably going to be a, um, a good note to uh, end the program on because um, it's upbeat. It's good. I like that. Um, you know, but the one thing I would like to do is, uh, as we always do when you come on the program, is give folks the um, the address, the website address where they can uh, find out more about uh, insuring their, let's say, uh, personal air mobility vehicle. They can visit transportrisk.com. Or, or our unmanned specific site at unmannedrisk.com. Any questions that they have, all of our contact information is there. We'd love to hear from them. Well, you know, uh, again, always informative when you uh, come on, Terry, and I appreciate uh, you um, being able to accommodate us today. And I'm sure we'll be conversing with you in the future. So uh, until next time, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Patrick. All right. Have a good day. You too.